You're listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast, where we tell stories of God's faithfulness because the God who did still does. Y'all, welcome to Embracing Advent, a Beyond Sundays podcast mini series. Okay, so what is Advent? Well, traditionally and historically, Advent begins the church's liturgical year. It is the season encompassing the four Sundays and weekdays leading up to the celebration of Christmas. The season of Advent is one of preparation to remember that Jesus stepped out of eternity to bring us salvation. Now, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I marked time by its proximity to Christmas. And most years, it seemed the day would never arrive. But as Christmas morning finally drew near, two things were always at work in my mind, memory and anticipation. You see, because I was remembering how previous years were filled with joy and how they yielded gifts such as a playhouse my dad and grandfather built that I'll never forget. And then one year I woke up, ran to the living room to discover what can only be described as a sea of Barbie pink. Y'all, everywhere I looked, on the hearth, under the trees, spread out all over the floor, was a magical world of Barbie that beckoned me to come and play. Y'all, it was complete with Barbie's dream house, a pink convertible, multiple new Barbies, and so many outfits. But each year, you know, I anticipated the coming holiday because each Christmas seemed better than the one before. Not because the gifts were bigger or better or the food was more yummy, but because every year my memory of the season became more textured with experience. So what is Christmas if not a holiday built upon memory and anticipation? As believers, we celebrate this season by remembering something that actually happened, the first coming of Jesus Christ. But it's also a time to anticipate something we're still waiting for, His glorious return as the mighty one of God with the words, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, written on his robe. Throughout centuries, believers in Jesus have taken time in the weeks leading up to Christmas Day to observe a season of remembering and anticipation. This is Advent. The first Advent has already happened. That's when the Son of Man came in the form of a man, a baby, actually. And the second advent, his return, is something we still wait for. And that reality that we now live between two advents makes this an amazing time in history. So each week of advent, we will hear stories of the hope, peace, joy, and love found in Jesus, the greatest gift the world has ever been given. This week, we begin with hope. You know, it's one of life's biggest challenges to not lose hope when our circumstances don't seem to line up with our expectations. We know that following Jesus doesn't necessarily mean we won't experience pain and battered faith. We cannot escape heartbreak in this life. So how do we trust God and hold on to hope through our struggles? I want to invite you to pull up a chair, grab a cup of hot cocoa, or keep walking on that treadmill, girl. And join me and my friends, Marcus and Sarah Pittman, as they share their journey of heartbreak, doubt, and a growing hope in a God who fulfills His promises, always. So let's get to it. Well, hey, hey, everyone. I'm really excited to have a sweet couple in the studio with me today. I have Marcus and Sarah Pittman. Hi, guys. How are you? We're doing good. How are you doing? How are you? I'm doing awesome. We've already had a fun conversation because, uh, y'all, it's about to be 
or actually at the time has come for the most joyful time of the year. It's the mm-hmm. Christmas season and Yay. y'all are getting to kick Yay. off our Advent series. Woo-hoo. I know. Yay. I'm so excited for you guys to share with us about our topic for the week. But why don't y'all, before we dive into all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Marcus, you want to go first? Sure. Um, well, as she said, I'm Marcus Pittman. Um, I'm a uh, property manager. Uh, I've got about 30 rental units that I manage and take care of, and um, that keeps me pretty busy. And when I'm not doing that, I'm chasing our son, Shepard, around. And uh, he's going to be three, or he's going to be three this December, and uh, he's full of energy and joy, and he's fast. Yes. (laughs) He is all boy, all the time, 100% full throttle. Um, So that's, that's what... Um, I do. Uh, Sarah and I have been married for what eight years now. Be nine in March. Nine in March, mm-hmm. and so we're not not newlyweds anymore. So <laughs> no, no, we're not. <laughs> um, I'm Sarah Pittman. Um, I am a kindergarten teacher here in Abilene. Um, I have been a kindergarten teacher for 14 years. It's kind of crazy, um, but I love it. It's it's what brings me a lot of joy um, in my profession. Um, we have we have been at Beltway for a long time, Marcus longer than me, um, but we met here at church and through life groups. Through life groups, yes. Life uh, group plug. Well, Always. it's kind of crazy. We actually Always didn't meet group. in a life group. I had um, gone to the 2020 ministry finally. And um, ev- at every life group I went to, everyone talked about Marcus Pittman and how wonderful he was. And so by the time he asked me out, I was like, well, sure. Um, but we, <laughs> <laughs> sure, great. Everyone talks so highly of you. So um, we actually met and married in 10 months. Wow. That's awesome. So, yep. Yeah. I love it. Well, when you know, you know. Yeah. When you know, you know. Well, we were grown too. Yeah. It, it, it's not like we were. 25 or, you know, young chickens running around. Like we, we had both lived a little bit of life at that point and we're like, okay. You knew what you were looking yeah, for. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The we Lord ready. lined up the paths and you were like, okay, let's do this race yep. together. Yes. Yep. Yes. No, yes. no need to mess around. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, I love that you mentioned Shepard. We're going to talk about Shepard here in just a little mm-hmm. bit, but we're also going to talk about some backstory before, okay. before Shepard too. But I want to just start off with a passage of scripture I know I sent to you guys. It's um, out of Romans 15, 13, and it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I had you guys on because I do have the benefit of knowing at least part of your story. Mm-hmm. And part of your testimony of of hoping in the Lord for something that mm-hmm. you desired and that you believed was a promise from Him. Mm-hmm. And so, as we kick off this first week of Advent, and we're talking about hope and who our hope is ultimately in, we know that we're in a world where hope is not instant. Like mm-hmm. sometimes we wait for the promise, right? <laughs> but yeah. it doesn't mean there's not. Like we can't tangibly grab onto the hope mm-hmm. that's offered us in Jesus on the way. Right. 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 And so I would love to know in what ways do you know the God of hope? So why don't y'all just start off with the beginning of your story? I know this has been a long journey. We're going to hit some oh, yeah. highlights. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to let y'all start wherever you feel okay. like it needs to begin. So um, Marcus and I both, um, all we ever wanted in our lives was to have a family. And, you know, we know that family 
does not mean necessarily children, families. When you leave in Cleve, that's yeah. when your yeah. family begins. Yep. Um, but we wanted both of us, like I think our, our entire lives, all we ever wanted was to have a family. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We did know, um, I have known, I've had, I have fertility issues. Um, we knew before we got married that we would struggle. Um, it was potential for us to struggle. And so um, the doctor that I had been seeing since I had a diagnosis at 14, um, she said, Sarah, do not, do not wait a full year when you start trying to get help. Um, but that was back in Houston. She was back in Houston and I was here in Abilene and that's not protocol (laughs) for our community. (laughs) You have to, uh, try to get pregnant for a year before you, um, seek help. And so we, we got married a little bit later. So we, whenever we were ready to, um, start, um, expanding our family, we were met with a lot of, um, struggle. So, um, we have lots of, lots of, uh, hard doctor's appointments, until we finally landed on um, going to a fertility specialist. And our um, journey with adoption started there, actually. So we did embryo adoption. We did anonymous embryo adoption three different times with three different biologically different um, embryos. Mm -hmm. Um, We had, let's see, I think we had five attempts, um, three babies, and all of them lost. And all of them loved. And every single one of them, um, Levi, Lydia, and Gideon, that's their order, um, God led us to each one. And we knew it. Like, we knew it. We had a lot of hope, a lot of faith. But with each loss came a little less hope. Mm -hmm. But we learned a lot in that. You know, for me, we learned that. Sarah Pittman has this like ability to like have the highest of hopes and really have this full faith that the promise, like you're leading me here because the promise is coming and then dashed spirits, but then regained hope mm-hmm. to move, to keep moving forward. I mean, you really, you can't, you need to walk in obedience. You know, I feel like I pray all the time, Lord, make me too uncomfortable to be disobedient for too long. That's good. Like that's good. I do not want to just walk in disobedience. I want mm-hmm. to be uncomfortable in disobedience, so my heart is turned mm-hmm. to walk in obedience and walk in faith. And so um, we d- we struggled quite a bit. We um, and we knew whenever with Gideon um, was our last our last love and our last little last baby, and we knew when we did that that this was going into that that this was going to be our last attempt, mm-hmm. um, and. We were devastated because we knew we were meant to be parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how, 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 <laughs> how are we going to be parents? Right. You Three know? times. And I mean, so yeah. um, that was quite a journey and uh, really, really hard. Re- I mean, really the hardest thing we've ever gone through. Oh, by a mile. Yeah. I, there's nothing that even comes close to that. Just, you know, not just, um, there's just so much. I just, uh, as we're talking, I was just thinking about all the the stuff we had to go through to to do it. Um, oh my gosh! It, all the shots. Yeah. I, all the shots. Traveling I, to Bedford every other day for blood work. Your whole life on hold. Yeah, I mean, just going, just the amount of of just uh, the the toll it takes on you from just not even the we lost this baby or or that, but just the 
hey, we've got to make sure and have the shots at the same time every evening. I am not medically inclined. Like I'm not, I mean, I'm good with my hands, but I did not go to school to be a doctor and I'm having to give her multiple injections and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, um, for a while, like she said, we were having to go to Bedford every other day for blood work. And, you know, it's a seven hour round trip. Thank God for the Target and Weatherford. You know, that was kind of our, <laughs> yeah. the, our, our oasis because we're like, okay, if we get here, we can take a minute and, you know, recalibrate and, you know, I remember going in the fertility specialist the first time and like that was one of the absolute worst days of my life um, just because of all the different things that had to happen and just, you know, getting spun around and getting passed off to people and said, oh, well, here it's going to be X amount of money. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And by the time, you know, you your brain could grasp that concept, you were into having some test done or something else and you you just walk out of there totally exhausted and then we hit you know five o'clock traffic coming out of uh, dfw and that just finished me off yeah well and you know and i think even you know one thing that we learned a lot um through our experiences going like just the day you set foot in the fertility specialist with your hope wanting to be fulfilled Mm -hmm. that you start trying to like hold your faith in doctors and that's not Medicine is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and just say that because it is. Medicine is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for giving knowledge and wisdom to doctors to help families grow where they can't. Um, but that can be a very, that's a tricky slope. You have to be re- really ready to go in saying, okay, this is not going to be this, 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 and this. Yeah. You know, but we know, we know what, we know like, oh, everything should have should have worked the way it is. Mm-hmm. Your body, we've done all the things to make your body work the way it's supposed to, but God. Yeah. He is the author of life, isn't he? He is. Yes. God is the only one who creates life. Yeah. He's the only one who allows life. And that is really great. I mean, really and truly. And it was hard for us. I mean, we ultimately, um, you know, a lot of times I think people can hear our story and think, Oh, adoption, like traditional adoption was your B plan, but really it was the plan the entire time. It was never a B plan. It's never, oh, this and then this. You know, for for my entire life, that I, my entire diagnosis of what I what's going on with me, we've always wanted to pray for healing. Well, I am healed. It just took me a really long time to believe and know in my heart that really God did, like he made me fearfully and wonderfully with the issues that I have on purpose. And he called that beautiful. Mm -hmm. So who am I to say, you messed messed me up. You messed (laughs) me up. For me, it, it's, and I, and I hold space. There's a lot of women that I know are, that, that are trying to grow their families and are devastated month after month after month or have high hopes to high lows. That's part of just being a woman and, you know, wanting to expand your family um, in those in those seasons of, of trying. And I think I'm, I hold space for those women because that, that is so hard. For me, I don't even know what I would do if we got pregnant. <laughs> this is not the way God grows my family, yeah. you know, because I truly am healed in spirit mm-hmm. that – Yes, you want to you pray for healing, but like, what if the healing comes differently? That's good, and it did. Yeah, because 
we have our beautiful son, Shepard. So we – can I get into that Oh, part? you go for it, girl. So um, – <laughs> Shepherd, uh, we once once we um, lost Gideon, um, we took we knew we were done with fertility specialists, and um, we needed to take some time for healing. And we love um, hot air balloons are like a big part of our story. Like Marcus proposed to me right after you know. Well, anyway, we went on a hot air balloon to celebrate our proposal, and so we went to the um, Albuquerque um, balloon, Internet, fiesta. balloon fiesta. Yes, that's so fun. It's awesome. Everyone should go there. Everyone should go to there. <laughs> Which because... is in September usually, right? No, it's in November. It's oh, always November. The... No, it's October. Al... Oh, is it? Yeah. It's in October. Okay. It's in October. Oh, it's the first weekend yes. in October. First and second first weekend in October. First two weekends in October, yeah. non-negotiable dates every year. And it's international, and it never um, it never cancels like all the other ones in Texas do. Um, sorry, I'm not bitter about that at all. That happened to us this year. But um, <laughs> we went to uh, – it was our second time to go to this uh, fiesta. And Marcus and I, we, we battled a lot with the way we both handled our grief and hope – hope growing and walking in obedience. And I remember um, we were we were watching the balloons. We are sitting there watching the balloons, and I was like, hey. And at this time, I was maybe in a, be- a healthier place spiritually, would you say? Than I was? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, I didn't want to just like, yes. throw you under the bus. 100% anything. yes. But yes. So Marcus was really struggling, and I, I, and I was too, but I was, I was moving forward um, towards hope and out of grief. And, um, I found this song that I, I don't, if I would have heard it three months before, I would have never, just never, but it was, um, it was tell your heart to beat again. Have you heard this song before? I haven't. Oh my goodness. Uh, you would ask me who sings it. Um, I'll link it in the show notes. You don't have to remember it right now. It's fine. Okay. But it was tell your heart to beat again. And I, I remember thinking, okay, Marcus, I'm going to play this song for you. I don't want you to be mad because I know. But it was like, just tell your heart to beat again. And we both were sitting there on the field (laughs) in tears, you know. And it was, okay, we have to move forward because to sit here in this puddle of nothing is not moving forward. It's not – it's just existing. Mm. And that doesn't – that is not life-giving it isn't eternally significant. It's not helpful <laughs> yeah. to the kingdom at all. We need to move forward. And so we just needed to keep walking. Just keep keep taking steps at a time. Very uh very what? Frozen. <laughs> very frozen yeah. too. To yeah. do the next right thing. <laughs> next right thing. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are parents. It's okay. We yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do the yeah. next right thing. Oh my gosh. They definitely didn't know their audience. Disney didn't know their audience. They did. It was all for parents. Yeah, for Frozen 2 was all for parents. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, um, I remember we came back from that, and Marcus said, okay, we're going to go to Christian Homes. So Christian Homes and Family Services here in town is amazing. Um, Yes. They are a a, um, adoption and foster agency, and their mission is a Christian home for every child. And boy, howdy, do they live up to that. Um, the people there, we could not say more wonderful things about everywhere we go. We're just like, let me tell you about Christian homes and family services from even like that. We didn't foster, but we have friends who do, um, and that are in our life group that foster through, uh, Christian homes. And I have other friends that do as well, but 
the way that they minister to the birth mothers sold us. Mm-hmm. I mean, and to see, like, to watch how they ministered to Shepherd's birth mother is is the greatest gift that they could give Shepherd mm-hmm. and us mm-hmm. because her plan was for us to be his parents. Yeah. Wow. So we needed someone to take care of her. That's good. And we were so grateful that it was godly people mm-hmm. to surround her mm-hmm. and be her support. So that is, we cannot say enough wonderful things about Christian. Yeah, Hattie. for real. We, uh, I mean, like she said, we can't say enough. We could sit here and talk about them for the rest of the evening, just because they're just how life changing going uh, with them through the adoption process and seeing all, all the things that we got to see and experience with them. Uh, we just can't sing their praises enough. Yeah. So we um, we decided you, you have to go to an orientation. And um, we Marcus called Christian Homes. We got on the wait list to be at the orientation. They have like two a year. And it was uh, the February one. Well, we were waitlisted. We weren't going to be able to go. And then in January... Um, we got a call that we were going to be able to go to uh, the orientation. And there are like some hoops you have to jump through in order to do that, references, all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, we were able to go, and we went in February. There were 12 other couples. And in a lot of ways, we were still grieving. I mean, we were still really raw. Oh, yeah. Um, because in our minds, it was still a B plan, not the plan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had um, to grow into the plan. Yeah, I definitely did not feel like I had healing that I was not going to grow my baby in my body. I hadn't, I had not, had no, there was no healing from that yet. That was a journey yet to be, yet, yet to have arrived. Right. Um, and that's okay because that's part of the journey um, for us. And uh, we, we went to that orientation. We um, celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary in March of 2020, right before everything shut down like, in the whole world. Like in the whole world. The days before they closed the airports, we had gotten back from uh, Mexico and it was like, oh, we're on this really good trip and let's, you know, we're, we're ready to, you know, start this adoption journey. You know, we like it was literally weekend at orientation then the next weekend we were on a plane so our brain processing yeah like processing yeah Yeah, and knew that like we had a mountain of paperwork and financial information and all sorts of stuff that we were going to have to put together not to talk not to mention fundraising and all this kind of stuff and so you know we're just heads are swimming and then we get there and like i remember on that wednesday we were talking to a guy and he was starting to talk about the stock market was going crazy and that, that things were really starting to get bad. And, you know, then and we were checking nothing Yeah, because we, we were, were there. <laughs> unplugged. And then you find out, uh, you know, then the travel ban hit like that next Monday or something. And I mean, you feel like you're Indiana Jones and then the temple door closed right as you got under Literally, it kind of thing. Literally, we yeah. got back just in the nick of time. But we came back and that that allowed us a lot of time to start um, to do our, do our paperwork and to really process together what this looks like because, um, you know, even on that journey with paperwork, this is how you're bringing your child into the world. So you got to like be excited about it and... It is an exciting thing because these are the stories you're going to tell your your kids. 
Um, and I remember the call that we got. You know, God was still Marcus was still working through some things, and I I, I know I know at some point he will talk about his his faith journey with that. But what was amazing is God started doing some things like I want to say two two months before we learned about Shepherd, and it was like God linked my spirit with his birth mother. Really? Yeah. And it was really, it was, you know, God was redeeming what the locusts have eaten. I was concerned at that point. I wasn't concerned that I wasn't going to carry him in my womb. That was just an actuality. It was, this is what it is. But you do worry as a mother, you do worry, am I going to connect? Like, are we going to be able to bond? Yes. Yes. You're going to be able to bond, but it might feel different at first because I didn't carry you in my womb, you know? And, you know, I'm always been a baby person. I mean, I just gravitate, but I, it was really amazing. I jotted everything down. Um, as things were happening, I had my quiet time. We built a nursery. That was one thing we did out of hope Mm -hmm. in faith because that, what that room was, what people don't really talk about whenever they're like trying to grow their families is like, you know, you set aside a room that's going to be a nursery one day. Whether you talk about it or you don't talk about it, you set it aside. Well, when we got married, it was like, this is going to eventually be the room, so we're not going to do anything with it yet. But then whenever it wasn't becoming what it was going to be, we painted it because it had to be something. And we painted it with tears. Mm -hmm. And so one of the steps we took in faith and like this is we have this hope that's coming that this child you you will fulfill this promise yes god please like you will you will right <laughs> you have us on this path please fulfill this promise we um we got a nursery set up and um before we even knew about shepherd like before we knew anything it was like this is this is going to be the nursery this is what the colors are going to be this is going to be all these things and god just kept providing he just kept providing he just kept providing and um and, I, you know, my my mother-in-law, she when she knew we were doing that, she called and she was like, um, I want to buy your rocker. I want to get that. And what a gift to me because my my mother's chair is just like, it's, that's what I call it, mama's chair, is the most precious piece. You would think it would be the crib. It's not. It's my mother's chair because it's the chair that I have rocked my son in. It's the chair that I opened my Bible. I journaled. I talked to the Lord. I screamed at the Lord. I cried out and worshiped. You know, yeah. before my arms were full and after. That's good. That's good. And it is a reminder to me that he has fulfilled my, he has fulfilled this promise. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I, I sat there and I journaled and there were so many things. I mean, there were so many things like, even things like, um, there was a word at church. I remember Randy got up and he was kind of joking and he was like, uh, someone had a word that they were, um, they had an extravagant gift to give, and they were struggling with it. And I turned to Marcus, and this was like probably a month before we learned about Shepherd, and I said, "That's for our birth mom." Mm-hmm. But Rainy's like, "Well, please, if you have a gift, you know, like the yeah." yeah. And it was like, "That's not a monetary gift. That is, that's my son." Mm-hmm. That's my son. And it was like God just whispered things to me. Obviously, we were praying for her this entire time. Mm-hmm. She's going to change our lives. Mm-hmm. How could you not? You know, we've just been praying. God, intertwine our hearts, intertwine our hearts. And 
And Marcus was still shielded in a lot of ways, but I still spoke out these yeah. things. And yeah. and like there was, I mean, this lady at, at school, she stopped my whole lesson. She would never have done it. She came in my room two weeks, maybe two weeks or so before we learned about Shepard. And she was like, I am so sorry to interrupt your class. I have to make sure you're okay. It was like, God put such an impression on my heart about you that I, I need to make sure you're okay. And I smiled and I said, I'm okay, but don't stop praying. Yeah. And then she left and I was like, that was a hundred percent for our birth mother. That was what, that was what that was for. God is, is tying our spirits together. He had you interceding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On and her behalf. Yeah. And so, um, that is one of, one of my mentors, one of my mentors from college that was my roommate when I, when I met Marcus, um, she wasn't even living here. She's like living in Colorado. She called me a week before we learned about Shepherd, and she said, uh, "I, I'm, I, I just need to tell you, I had a dream last night that you got a baby, and um, it was so vivid and so real that I was like, I was checking all the social media, nothing was there, so I need to just text you." And I was like, not yet. And so the the day I so God had just been He had been giving us all of these things, which He knew that I would be crazy. Like, <laughs> he knew I would be crazy. And so the day that we um, got our phone call, it was not it was not the phone call that Christian Homes told us we would have. No. Usually, the phone call you get from Christian Homes is from Christian Homes. We got a phone call from a friend. Wow. We got a phone call from a friend who goes here to this church, and. Um, she was like, it was, it was a, I was about to go tour the new campus of my school. Uh-huh. The, it was not yet done. Uh-huh. It was not yet done. But I was, I got this phone call. It was right after school. And she was like, this is going to be crazy, Sarah. You're just going to freak out. And I was like, no, okay. So she told, she told me, she was like, well, um, <clears throat> so I'm no longer working, but the place I used to work at, this um, girl that works there, she called me. Her sister lives um, in a different city, and her employee is trying to find parents for her child. Um, and she's telling me some backstory. And she's like, by the way, she's on the way to go see her right now. Wow. Because she thought she knew some, a family that would adopt Shepard, who we know is Shepard now. Mm-hmm. Um, but their life has changed. Was this even something that you're interested in? And then she stopped, and she goes, oh my gosh, you're totally freaking out right now. And I wasn't. And I was like, you know, I'm really not because God has been speaking to me for about two months. She connected me with with her with her, her coworker or whatever. And um, I she didn't know me. So I told her a little bit about me, about Marcus, um, this, this, and this. She's telling me this whole backstory. None of it I needed to know. But it sure. was like, uh, <laughs> fine, you know. And then yeah. she's like, are you willing? And I was like, well, you know, so I'm calling, I'm calling, you know, the hotline for at Christian Home. Because this was like Friday after five. Friday like after everybody five. had gone home. Yeah, so I, I couldn't call I, my caseworker. I, while you were doing all this, I'm just kind of sitting on the couch, kind of waiting for the weekend to start, you know. Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. called him yet. I haven't called him yet. I'm just trying to like put ducks in rows. Yeah. Just trying to really oh. just get all these ducks there. And so I'm calling um, Christian Homes. I'm calling their hotline. And she's like, don't get your hopes up. She has to have proof of pregnancy, you know, yada, 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 all this other kind of stuff. So long story longer. The thing, all the things are connected, and I get home, and I am like, before I get home, I am, I am looking out into, the sun is setting, 
and I'm looking out of what is now a fourth grade classroom. And I was like, I think my life is about to change. There you go. I think my life is about to change and God has prepared me for it. It's good. And I was so joyful. And I went home and I was like, Marcus could see on my face. Something was not normal. Like, it's going to be <laughs> one of those conversations. And I was this like, is, Marcus? And he was normal. like, what, did you get a call today? And I was like, oh boy, howdy, did I get a call today? I got multiple calls. So we have this whole conversation and basically we agreed we would only move forward if she went through Christian homes, which a lot of people were like, why didn't you just go private adoption? Well, we said we wanted to go through Christian homes because of the way they minister to birth mothers. This is important to us. Yeah. No, we are not going to exclude God out of what we want. We, w- we want her to be closer yeah. Yeah. to him. Not that she was not a believer. She was a believer, you know, but she needed to people wrap, circle in the wagons. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, sure. I mean, and so um, anyway, that was October 30th. We met. We met with uh, both of Shepherd's birth parents, November sixteenth, and we're officially matched at that point. Um, even though we had already had sonogram pictures and all that kind of stuff. Oh like, yeah. It was, uh, and he was born on the thirteenth. So of December of December. Yeah. So wow. it was like, it's, it was quick. It was quick. Yeah. But even now, like we we are adopting again. Yeah. We are we are waiting for that. You're phone waiting. Call. Yeah. You're we're hoping waiting for, again. We're waiting and hoping again. Um, it's very different this time around. What makes it different? Um, it's, I'll fill this Go one. ahead. Go yeah. ahead. It's different because it, to, to an extent, the pressure's off. Oh, yeah. Um, before when we were trying to adopt Shepard, every, every paper we had to fill out, every form, every, everything felt like life or death because we had been in a season of such tension, of such... You know, do, going through all Tenderness. the in- yeah, we were super tender. Yeah, going through all the infertility stuff, we were just maxed out. Everything, you know, have to make sure everything's right, do it all the right way. And through, and with this one, we've been there, we've done it before. It's kind of like okay, you know, she was thankfully she was able to get all the the paperwork redone and and knocked out this summer, and so it was a lot. Just the the process was a lot less stressful, um, just because. We we have the experience, experience. and you know. Then we're before it was. Oh, we have to to be parents. This is what God's called us to be. This is what we've both wanted forever. And you know now, and we are parents, and we're busy chasing Shepherd around as opposed to sitting on the couch wondering if the phone's going to ring. And so it's just kind of a different different mentality. Um, And two with this one. There's been so much of it where we just basically had to to say, okay, Lord, you're going to have to provide. Like, yeah, you were at a, it wasn't in your control at all. Yeah, right? and yeah. really like realizing it from everything we'd been through to this time, it's like, okay, God, you know, we know that we don't have any control over this. All we can do, you know, as Sarah said, is do the next right thing, take the next step, um, you know, fill this form out whatever. And so when you're just kind of living hands to an extent, hands off, just cause it's like, okay, God, you're, you're going to have to do it. We've got things we've got to focus on. We can't, we can't worry about what we uh, can't control. And I right. think that's been one of the biggest things learning. One of the biggest learning things from all this is that the amount of control you think you have is a lot less than you actually do. And so yeah. you just got to let God do his thing. Which and is very hard for control freak people. Yeah. 
Amen. <laughs> I mean, very, very hard. But I mean, I think I think you're right in that. There's some natural things that are different this time compared to last time. We're in healthier places spiritually. Not that we were in unhealthy places then. We were just still in some grief. Yeah. And there was not, there was not, the promise was not yet fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we are satisfied in being parents. Mm-hmm. We, you know, there. I know there's lots of people that are like, oh, I want to have like four and, you know, I want to have four kids or I want to have two kids or one of each or whatever. And we are just not that way because we're just we're we just wanted to be parents mm-hmm. and we were meant to be parents we felt mm-hmm. called to be parents so it wasn't just a desire it was a desire placed on our hearts by the lord and we wrestled with whether or not we were meant to expand our family and ultimately we just because it felt different yeah. does that make sense mm-hmm. it felt different because we were longing to be parents and our that longing is fulfilled in being parents to shepherd but it, what's been really cool that we've, you know, we've we've talked about is, you know, if God wants us to have more children, which you know I, we do believe that, it's because it's like for Shepherd and for us, you know, like God wants to do something in our family that can't be fulfilled with just Shepherd, mm-hmm. like He wants to bring another child into our home because they have they belong mm-hmm. and they're meant to be there and. And we're meant to shepherd that child's heart too. That's good, and that's that's exciting um, because you know I'm an only child, so I, I I prayed for siblings my entire life, <laughs> my entire life. Thank the Lord that Marcus has a brother and sister in law because now I finally have siblings. Um, <laughs> but uh, it feels different in a lot of ways this go around. But I think we also re- we know. That God is providing, like mm-hmm. we just keep asking Him to provide, and He just keeps yeah, doing absolutely. it. He is and pretty faithful. He is. He's He's always been faithful. Like He's always been faithful, even when we felt like He wasn't faithful. <laughs> he was. We knew He was faithful then. We knew that because He had been faithful time and time again. But heartbreak can heartbreak can can make you doubt it but still believe? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, we never really turned completely like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. You know, but um, but it was hard because yeah. it was like, ah, you promised we would have trouble. And we do. Yeah. Hey, can we speak to that? I, I'm really, yeah. I'm, I'm sensing that y'all have an, an encouraging word to give people who are right there in the middle of that. Yeah. The desperation place, the hard places where it's dark, the Lord has led them to a valley mm-hmm. or they've found themselves in a valley, not yeah. because of anything they did or didn't do. You know, right. this is a season we're in where people do feel hopeless, even though it's supposed to be the most hope-filled season of the year. Right. But there are, the reality is, is that just what you said, we're in the world and we're going to have trouble. Yeah. Trouble is going to be a part of life. And so... What encouragement would you offer someone who is in that place, knowing that you guys have been in a similar place of feeling, okay, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. When? Where's the hope? How can we hope? Mm-hmm. Are you faithful? We know you're faithful, but right, right. we're not seeing. So there's a difference between seeing the promise, holding mm-hmm. the promise, mm-hmm. and waiting for it. And believing in this in that mm-hmm. place still, you yeah. know. So, would y'all speak to the person who is in the middle of the valley? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Because um, that kind of goes in to, um, I know that Sarah's alluded to it a couple of times, uh, some of my like struggle. Um, just a quick backstory on me is that um, I, I've been church broken for a long time and done life group and done a lot of the things that you're supposed to do, lived the right way and a lot of things. And so for me, like it was to to get up to all this infertility, the struggle and just having all the hope and going and get, having a test done and it'd be negative. And, you know, you just you're so distraught after that because it's like, God, I did the stuff. I did it your way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did it like I did it the, the the right way. I did it your way. I've I've been prayed up. I, I've you know I've you know you just start going out with your spiritual resume saying, hey, I've checked all these boxes. I've done these things right, and I'm just asking for a kid. I'm not trying to get a million dollars. I'm not trying to do you know something crazy. I'm just trying to grow a family, um, and so just really like realizing that. God's going to do it on his way and his timing and that you can't you can't force the issue you you can't you just got to sometimes you just have got to live through it and I would like to say there's a lot better way to go I know for me like I had to I ended up like having to go to therapy and realizing that I had some bad theology um that got implanted in me in my college days that I didn't even didn't even know it was there, wouldn't have said that that was a problem, but just like, oh, hey, there's some things that I thought, but when you really start looking at the Word, that's not quite right. It's it's not there. And so, like, I had to have that, you know, pulled out and and just, you know, refocus on on the Lord and what He was doing. And, and I mean, I, I hate to say just, you know, it's it's in the Bible and, in and, and, you know, stand on the Word, but that's really in those seasons— like all you could do. And because for me, one of the things is I was like, I've got to ascend on this because God's either right or none of it is, you know, and very much of this is what the Bible says. I've got, I've guess got to be planted in it. And, you know, that, and so that's what I would say is that it's, it's a hard path to go down, um, especially when you haven't done anything to bring that on, to bring on your grief, to bring on your trouble. Um, but I know that you just kind of got to set and, and wait. And the waiting is the hardest part. And th- I would like to say there's an easier way to go about it, but you just have to keep keep on keeping on. And I know like one of the things for me was too is that um, I knew I was going to come, like the Lord and I were going to get things squared away. Like there was never a, you know, I'm done. Like there were times I was very mad. I was very broken. I was very upset with the Lord and had very real, authentic conversations. You were honest with yes, him. very honest. Yeah. Um, but like at the whole, this whole, the whole time is like, I knew, I knew it was going to get fixed. I didn't know how it was going to get fixed, but I just knew that I needed to wait it out and. You know, there were times that we didn't go to church just because I, I, you know, speaking for me, I couldn't sit there yeah, and hear. Very.
way for that. And, you know, during times like this, we, this is the greatest church. Yeah, we had we had to stream. We had to we had to have avenues to you know, I hate to say to have some protective boundaries where it was I have the freedom to leave the room for a minute and then come back. I mean, but we tried to still do the things we felt yeah. we were supposed to do. You know, and not completely abandon I, I love something you mentioned both. Well, you've mentioned it just now, but you're mentioning it. You mentioned it earlier is that you were real with the Lord with yeah. where you mm-hmm. were. You were honest with, Hey, I'm in the Valley. I'm in the, yeah. uh, we're in this dark place. And, and something that you said earlier is just like, pre, like giving the word back to God, yeah, like declaring exactly. that word. And you mentioned that too, Marcus, yeah. of just like standing on the word. Okay. What does that look like? Yeah. What does that look like in the dark? When you're well, in the season. And I think, you know, going back to the Davidic Psalm, you know, going back to the Davidic Psalms and where it's like, my sighing isn't hidden from you. When are you going to listen to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, but God is near to the brokenhearted. Yes. He, he is near to the wounded. I mean, but he's also engraved us on the palms of, of his hands. We are his children. We are his children and we are living testaments of of his faithfulness in our lives. It's good. And you have to keep speaking God's word back to him. I mean, I remember I went through a season where I was like, Jeremiah 2911, if I hear that one more time. Oh my god. If I hear that one more time, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. So if I might, I'd like to speak you're you had asked about, you know, giving encouragement, but I'd like to speak to how you encourage someone you see like that. It's good. <laughs> go go there, so, please. Um you you've got to love people where they're at, and you need to take every one of those like like um, like cliche things that yeah. you want to say, even if they are God's holy word, and and stop like just like throwing it at them. Like quit telling people that like it's perfect in God's time because when people are waiting for promises that they feel God is giving them, they don't want to hear anything about your time business. Mm-hmm. Like they don't That's want any more truth. watches yeah. or clocks. <laughs> Because that's all they're doing is watching that clock. That's all they're doing is like, when God, are, when is the time for me? Yeah. And you really just have to be un, you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable when you're ministering to someone. If you have a loved one who is struggling with promises not yet fulfilled, you need to be learn to ask God for the grace to be with someone and sit in their uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Because yes. You do need to speak God's word to God's word to people. Yes, a hundred percent. My mom, oh, I love her. She and I are best friends, best friends, and and she is like she speaks just the, she speaks the Bible. I mean, you could only hope to have someone like that in your life. That even as a parent, to not like kind of guide you to go a certain way, but really just guide you to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's really wonderful. However, when you're really mad, you know, and you have to be like. <laughs> No, don't come at me with this, this, and this. And for her to say, okay, I understand that. Yeah. But I'm going to write it down for you. Because I'm afraid you're not looking at what this what this verse says. So when you're ready to read it, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you really have to, you have to ask God for the grace to sit in the uncomfortable because no one wants to sit there and be miserable. And 
you want that control, right? You know that God has placed a desire or to be out of something or maybe to for things not to have gone a certain way um, by mistakes or not, or just life, because life is messy. But you you need, I mean, people are going to be honest sometimes. Sometimes people will hide that. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard because when, when no one, then you don't feel seen. But we were never that. We were just like, here are my wounds. <laughs> like, yeah. here are all my wounds. We tend to live out. We live out. out uh, live la- out life out loud. Yeah. I mean, we definitely, yeah. there were times where we would go and see his parents and they were very, wanted to be really hopeful. And it was like. I remember hugging my father-in-law and he just, it was like, I said, he was like, how are you doing? I was like, we're really fragile, but we're here. Mm-hmm. We're really fragile, but we're here. And that broke them. I mean, they were both like, Sarah, that was the worst we've ever seen both of y'all. And I was like, well, don't, don't expect us to sugarcoat any of this because this is, this is us right now. You're our family. We're, we're going to learn to be comfortable and you're uncomfortable. Not that we were like. You know, not that you're like sloughing off all of yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't go but, emo or anything. Uh, no, just... but but you but when you're when you're the people that you love, be real with them. Yeah, be you be real with the people that you love. But when you're in a season where you can't carry someone's hope, but you can carry the hope you have in Jesus to them, and just shine a light on it. Just shine a light on that hope because. If they know the Lord and they have a relationship with Him, they know it. It's good. They have it, and it's there. It's good. But you don't always see it. Yeah. And you can't have faith for somebody, but you can keep shining a light on the hope that there is in Jesus. It's good. And that, I think you have to do that in order to minister to people that are in times of hopelessness. Sometimes they want to see it. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. But you got to take all these cliches and just like throw them out the window because they're going to start tuning you out. Yeah, you know, so being comfortable with the uncomfortable—it's a good word—is important. Thank y'all for sharing. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about y'all are on the other side yeah. of the valley, but you're still waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. Yeah, and we talked about it's different this time. Oh yes, yes, yes. The hope even looks different. Yeah, very Could much. Could you so. explain just how it might be a little bit different this time? Yeah. So, um, I know for for us, we had the the honor and privilege of uh, watching Shepherd be born. Um, and that was lovely. Like to get to do that and to get to be there for every moment of his out of womb experience. Mm-hmm. He went straight from her to me, straight from the doctor. And I said, my beautiful son, my beautiful son. <laughs> and the doctor handed, handed him directly to me. Wow. And, what a gift that his birth mother gave us to be able to do that. Um, I know I've talked to Such Marcus. Such a sacrifice. Yeah, I've talked to Marcus um, lately. I have started to feel these, um, I guess, urges to surrender surrender a hospital experience for baby number two. Surrender a hope for that. And and I have. And I have. Um, do you because, feel that was something the Holy Spirit led you to do? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so he's going before you. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and we could, we could have a, another hospital experience, but I think with everything really, even with your blessings you've been given, shouldn't you have open hands? Yes. I mean, you should have open hands because none of it really is all yours. It's all yeah. God's. That's good. And so, um, 
you know, that's something I've been talking to Marcus about, you know, that I think we need to be prepared to, for our baby to already be born or for... Or to be a, just a drop-in in general. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For our, which would be a baby being born. Um, or it's like the baby's going to be born in a week and maybe we don't get there in time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe we're not there right away. And just to not, not surrender it like, oh, well, we should be able to ask for this, but like replace a hope for this with joy and knowing that our baby is taken care of no matter. It's good. No matter. And mm-hmm. so no matter what happens. And so I know that's something in this waiting time, Marcus, every day. I'm like, what do you want to name our baby? <laughs> or <laughs> when, when do you baby? think uh, – no, the question is, is when are we going to have a baby? <laughs> oh, every day. Every when do you day. think we're going to have a baby? Every day. And it's like, I don't know. It hasn't really changed since yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, or the yeah. day before that or both days before that. And, I mean, we're excited. So we're excited. You know, we're excited for for that to happen. We're excited for our family to grow. Um, we're also, you know, trying to make as many memories that we can with Shepherd. Yeah, your family's about to change. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. our family's going to change, and and that will be um, that will be hard. You know, most people, you know, the way a family usually grows, you have nine months, right? You know, you maybe know about it for eight months, so you like have all these, all of these, you know, plans and preparations. We don't have any of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we could get a call tonight <laughs> that we're matched, which would be great. Phone ring, <laughs> you know that would be fantastic. But um, but we're also we're we've learned to be content in all circumstances. That's so mm-hmm. good, you know. And that's something our like caseworkers, you know, they always ask us like, "How are you doing in the waiting?" And I and I told I told our caseworker I said, um, "Current Sarah is okay. I can't speak for future Sarah. <laughs> I can't speak for future Sarah, but current Sarah is okay. This weekend, I like I I felt the urgings to like, oh, we need to have a, ho- a hospital bag packed. Oh man! And uh, Marcus was gone, and I he was, I said, oh, by the way, okay, so because Shepard was born right before Christmas, and I was like, I pulled all of my first Christmas stuff out, boy, girl, whatever we have it. Okay, here we have stuff for boys, and we have stuff for girls. Because we don't know what we're having. You're ready, though. And I was like, but we have clothes to put a baby in. <laughs> we have clothes to put a baby in. So, you know, there's all of these, like, um, getting ready things yeah. that are sweet. I love it. That are sweet. I've, what I, I love your story. Thank you guys so much for sharing. What I love, love, love is that I've, as I've sat here and listened to this as you've unpacked the growing hope, you know, mm-hmm. through the struggle and the processing of the grief and the healing that mm-hmm. came. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the not forgetting. You don't forget right, your children right, right. who are in heaven. Right. Um, but that you are living testimonies of the God of hope filling you with joy and peace. Mm-hmm. Learning to trust him in all things mm-hmm. so that you can then overflow with yeah. hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the promise of Romans 15, 13, which is how we started the top of this episode. Mm-hmm. You're living out that verse in the way that you have shared your story, the way that you've lived your story, in the way that you continually point to Jesus, the ultimate hope. So thank you guys so much for the way you have faithfully loved God, loved each other, and loved your family in the way that God gave you a family. So in light Thank of that, you. I'm going to switch topics just a sec because right. we're going to we're going to talk about family focused things. Okay, okay. for Sounds Christmas, great. I'm going to like do rapid fire. Is that okay? Uh, okay, that's yeah. great. Okay, so rapid fire. What are some of your favorite Christmas traditions? Go. 
Christmas lights, cookie feast day. Okay, no, 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 wait, time out. What's cookie feast day? Okay. Explain real quick. So um, my 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 mom's side of the family, we've always done cookie feast day. My grandmother, um, she would make cookie like cookies, and then the whole family would come between Christmas and New Year's, and we would decorate cookies, and then you get to take them home. The, I have a lot. My mom is one of 10, 21 first cousins. So well, it, was well, a well. Bi- it was a big <laughs> deal. And so my my parents live here now, and so we, we, um, we did cookie feast day before, but – but now it's even better because there's actually children there. That's sweet. And Marcus's um, Marcus's family gets to come as well. So we've, our nephews get to enjoy that as well. So that's really fun. That's sweet. So lights and cookie feast day. Yes, and the candlelight service. Oh, yes. yeah. Uh, candlelight service, which we will plug all the information yes. for all the services yes. in the yes. show notes. So check yes. it out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, what about you? I would say uh, the Walk to Bethlehem. Awesome. And uh, it's, an, it's a newer one, but... I'm a huge Aaron Watson fan, so the Aaron mm-hmm. Watson Christmas concert, I'm always a fan of that. That's he so started fun. that last year at the Paramount. Yeah. It's a family Christmas concert. That's awesome. Yeah. So his daughter comes too, and she sings. and Yeah. He sings some of his songs, but it's really like Christmas you know, stuff. It's really mm-hmm. Christmas stuff. That's it's awesome. Fun. Shepherd's first concert. He kicked his boot all the way down the aisle. It was just <laughs> great. <laughs> well, and you told me one earlier that I want you to make sure you mention, because I think this is so sweet about the book. Would oh, you share oh, that one? Yeah. So um, whenever Shepard was born, we decided we would start a Christmas um, tradition where um, we ha- we picked a Christmas story. We actually picked the Charlie Brown Christmas Christmas story because we both love it, grew up with it, both of us. It was great. But um, Marcus reads it every um, Christmas morning, mm-hmm. and um, and then we write in there like highlight. We write the year and then the highlights of just like what had happened that year, whether it's like you know. A new pet or a vacation we went on or, hey, we're adopting again, Yay! you know, those <laughs> things. And so um, that is a – it's a simple but really sweet tradition for us. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in yeah, and sharing your us. story with us. Oh, man, so full of hope. And we pray for all of you out there to be filled with hope as yes. well because our ultimate hope is in Jesus. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, y'all, now I get to share some exciting news. So we originally recorded this episode on November 15th, but I am re-recording a brand new ending to this episode to share with you all. I got a text from Sarah on the 25th of November, and this is what it said. It said, you'll never believe what God has done. And then she texted me a picture of their brand new baby girl. Y'all, they got the call, (laughs) and she is absolutely beautiful. I know this episode has been a little bit longer than usual, but I do want to say a sincere thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Sundays podcast from week to week, hearing these stories of God's faithfulness. For links and resources mentioned in today's episode, head on over to the show notes. And it is my prayer that you have a wonderful day today. And remember, God is a God of hope. He is moving, and He is moving in your life too. Even if you can't quite see it yet, beyond Sundays. <laughs>